Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. This is Labor Day weekend, and a special weekend for all of us, and I want us to talk this morning about why we have Labor Day weekend. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 23, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do. Isn't that amazing? He says to do it willingly, not grudgingly or because you have to or with a bad attitude. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. This holiday weekend is affectionately known as Labor Day weekend. Many consider Memorial Day as the unofficial beginning of summer and Labor Day as the unofficial end of summer. It's also the weekend that says from this time forward, uh, you've got to watch how you wear white. (laughs) When I was growing up, after Labor Day, you didn't wear white uh, because that was a summer and a spring color. So the first Monday of September from now on, no white. All right? The first Monday of September has been designated by the United States government as a federal holiday known as Labor Day. Labor Day pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers. It was created by the labor movement in the late 19th century and became a federal holiday in 1894. Labor Day is an annual celebration of workers and their achievements originated during one of America's uh, America's labor history's most dismal chapters. In the late 1800s, at the height of the Industrial Revolution, the average American worker worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week, just to sustain a basic living. Despite restrictions in some states... Children, as young as five or six, toiled in mills, factories, and mines across the country, earning a fraction of an adult wage. People of all ages, particularly the very poor and recent immigrants, often faced extremely unsafe working conditions with insufficient access to fresh air, sanitary facilities, and work breaks. As manufacturing took the place of agriculture, as the hotbed of American employment, labor unions, which had first appeared in the late 18th century, grew more prominent and vocal. They began organizing strikes and rallies to protest poor conditions and compel workers and companies to em- compel employers to renegotiate hours and pay. 
instead of 12 hours with no sanitary conditions, seven days a week, the labor movement proposed eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, and eight hours of recreation. The idea of a working man's holiday celebrated on the first Monday in September caught on in industrial centers across the country and many states passed legislature recognizing it. So on September the 5th, 1881, around 10,000 workers assembled in New York City for a parade. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, the parade inspired similar events across the country. By 1894, more than half of the states celebrated what was referred to then as a working man's holiday. Later that same year, President Grover Cleveland, how many were alive when he was alive? President Grover Cleveland signed a bill declaring the first Monday in September as Labor Day. So this first weekend of September, as we have for the last 136 years, we celebrate the working man and working woman with a holiday. Their achievements, their labor and sacrifice, which have shaped America to be the greatest nation on the earth. How many of you have, are working a job right now? Raise your hand. How many of you have worked a job but maybe retired? Raise your hand. How many of you have never worked, don't plan on working, and want to live off of the rest of us the rest of your life? Raise your hand. Six of you. Well, thank you for your honesty and transparency. You bum. All right. To all of you, to all of us, to all of you who have worked and are now retired, to all of us who are still working, and for all of us who are going to be working in the future, this is our holiday. This is the date that we celebrate the working man. So at this time, I want us just to give ourselves a hand. Would you do that? Let's just give ourselves a hand. To all of you who are retired, you just tell us who are still working, thank you. We are paying your Social Security. That your government has already spent of your money. All right? And we're paying. So just tell us thank you. All right, just thank you, thank you, that's enough. Take us out to eat every once in a while. Just thank you and take us out to eat, all right? Did you know that work is not a bad four-letter word? Some, some people think W-O-R-K is a curse word. It's not a bad four-letter word. Unfortunately, most Americans today, things have changed because most Americans view work today as a necessary evil. A recent poll by the Gallup organization revealed that well over half of America's work, workforce do not enjoy their daily work. They don't like going to work. They can't stand what they are doing. I first encountered the idea of someone hating their work over 30 years ago when I was a youth pastor in West Tennessee. Now, let me set this true story up with this fact. I was raised in a home. My mom and dad are here today. 
I was raised in a home where both of my parents worked outside the home. As I grew up in my teenage years, I realized my parents had to work because uh, due to uh, financial blessings or educational opportunities that was available to them, professional jobs just never was a a part of their uh, future. So they had to work. They were working men and working women. So it took both of my parents working. But in, in all of my years at home, I never recall my parents fussing or complaining about having to go to work. I never recall hearing them ever complain about their jobs or going to work. In fact, they both seemed to look forward to going to work. My dad more so than my mama, but they looked forward to going to work. My dad enjoyed his work so much that he usually went an hour early every day and turned the lights on at the lumber yard made the coffee, picked up the paper and read it while waiting for the other employees to arrive. Also, at the end of the day, he was the last one to leave. He locked the place up, made sure all lights and machineries turned off. If overtime was offered, my dad always accepted it. He enjoyed his work so much that he wouldn't even take his vacations. He had weeks of vacation accumulated, which was unused. They finally changed the company policy on unused vacation because he wouldn't take his. After 52 or 53 years, how many years? 51 years at the same company, they laid him off. And it broke his heart. So at 70-something years old, he went up and filed unemployment and... He said, I got Mr. Obama's money for 99 straight weeks. Got unemployment at 70-something years old. In five months, my father will celebrate his 80th birthday. And he now works for the county. He announced to us this past weekend that when he turns 80, he's going to retire, to which all of us laughed. (laughs) He'll never retire. He loves to work. Go back 30 years. Amanda and I are new youth pastors in West Tennessee, and the church had had a welcome dinner for us. As a couple came by to greet us, we introduced ourselves and had conversation, casual conversation like you do with people. I remember asking this one man, what do you do for a living? He replied that he worked at a manufacturing plant. I responded, how long have you worked there? To which he replied, next month it will be 25 years. At that time, I was only 23. So 25 years seemed like forever to me. He had worked there longer than I'd been alive. So I simply responded, I never will forget it. I simply responded, you must really love what you do working there that long. I'll never forget his reply. He said, I hate every minute of it. (laughs) And I chuckled, thinking he was joking. I asked him if he was serious, and he responded, Yes, I hate my job. I hate where I work. I hate driving to work. I don't like the people I work with. I was stunned. I was stunned. I didn't know people like that. I I didn't know what to say. Being young and immature, I should have just kept my mouth shut. But I kept prodding. 
And I said to him, well, why do you stay there? And his next response was as crazy as his first response. He said, well, at 25 years, they get a, you get a nice watch, so I'm going to get me a nice watch. Amanda and I talked for days. We've talked for years about that. I still don't understand working 25 years at a place to get a watch. Go buy you a watch. Ask for one at Christmas time. But why do you want to get up every day working and living in misery around people you don't like and hating your job? Look, at, look again at our scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Look what the New Living Translation says. It says, work willingly at whatever you do. Work willingly at whatever you do. Look at it in the NIV. The NIV translation says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. The New American Standard Bible says it this way, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. The Living Bible says it this way, work hard and cheerfully at all you do, just as though you were working for the Lord and not merely for masters. I've got a novel idea. Tuesday morning, decide to get in a good mood when you go to work. You might get a raise. People might start coming around you at the lunch table. Be cheerful about your job. See, work is a God idea. It's not a man idea. It's a, it's a God idea. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Look over here. I'm talking about the theology of work. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. The very first, first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, which talks about the beginning of time as far as man is concerned. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now notice that. Five words into the Bible. Just five words into the Bible and we see God's working. God is working. In the beginning, God created. Five words into the Bible, and God's already working. Adam and Eve were in wonderful relationship with God. They enjoyed absolute intimacy with God, and God instructed them to work. See? It's a God idea. Look with me at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. Notice what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden... To do what? To work it. And take care of it. See, the work that Adam and Eve did brought joy and value to their life. It wasn't until sin came into the world that it turned valuable work into difficult and unsatisfying labor. All right? What, what God wanted Adam to, and Eve to do brought joy and fruitfulness and, and value to their life. It wasn't until sin came that all of a sudden work became toil and unsatisfying labor. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 17. Turn over another chapter. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. 
To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife. Remember that, man. That'll get you in trouble every time. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now notice this. Through toilful, through toilful, uh, painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Notice what he says, through painful toil. That's not the way it started out. God says, your work is going to bring joy to you. It's going to bring value to you. It's going to be blessing to humanity. But then sin came, and then all of a sudden now work comes into, turns into painful toil. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and from dust to dust you will return. Listen, God worked. Adam and Eve, God's first man and woman, was given godly instruction to work, and that work was supposed to bring fulfillment and value to their life and blessing to creation. But it doesn't stop right there. The value of work that God had that he passed on to Adam and Eve was also embraced by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus was a working man. Look at John chapter 5. Let's read a story. Look at John chapter 5. I mean, got your Bibles. John chapter 5, verse number 1. Out of the NIV says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which is in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. If you go to Israel with us next November, November of the 18th, you'll see this. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blamed, uh, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Isn't that an amazing question? The guy had been there, thirty; he had been lame for 38 years, and Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? You know, some people are not healed because they don't want to get healed. If they get healed, nobody will ask them how they're doing. They won't have anything to talk about or post on Facebook. So they don't, they, they don't want to get well. All right? Verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now notice he's not a faith guy. Notice Jesus says, do you want to get well? He didn't say, yeah, bless God. Lay your hand on me. In the name of Jesus, just speak to me, man of God. Speak to me, prophet. You just say the word and I'm out of here. Just speak faith. I'm a faith man believing in a faith God. And this is a faith moment for the faith man and the faith God and the faith moment all come together. Just speak. That's not what he said. Jesus said, you want to get well? He said, I ain't got nobody. I ain't got nobody. I don't have nobody. Nobody cares about me. Everybody runs off and leaves me. I've been here for the rest my whole life. I'm going to stay here the rest of my life. He didn't even say if he wanted to get well or not. He never answered the question. He just said, I don't have anybody. More excuses. Verse 8, so it wasn't his faith. It wasn't his faith. Sometimes God does just some. He does things for us regardless of us. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. 
The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Religion is dumb. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. See, it wasn't his faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Never will forget, uh, back several years ago, we, Amanda and I had a lady come to us who... Uh, had got a diagnosis of lung cancer, and she was uh, only had uh, about a year to live, the doctor said. So she came to us. She had never been to church in her life, hardly ever. She was a chain smoker. She gave her heart to Jesus. We started praying for her, started speaking the word of faith over her, started pouring and healing to her and laying hands on her. And remarkably, in fact, they had already said just in a few months, we're going to put you on hospice, make it comfortable for you. Within a few months, they didn't put her on hospice. They changed their diagnosis. For some reason, you're, you're getting better. Within a year, the doctors gave her a clean bill of health. Said, you're healed. You're healed. You're healed. We shouted, everybody was shouting. Her family started coming to church. They were so amazed by what God had done. He even talked to the doctor. He said, did she tell you what I told her? I said, no, what did you tell her? He said, I told her the Lord healed her. I said, well, yes, she told me that. I said, he said, did she tell you what else I told her? I said, no. He said, I told her if you ever pick up another cigarette, it'll kill you. I said, no, she didn't tell me that. So all of a sudden, six months passed of healing, a year passed of healing, two years passed of healing, and all of a sudden, she started smoking again. I went to her, I said, you know what the doctor said? She said, oh, I'm not smoking. I said, well, I smell it. I smell it. She tried to hide it, and then I'd go to her door, knock on, try to visit her, and I'd hear her in there, and she wouldn't come to the door. But I could smell smoke coming from the doors. she think I was going to fuss at her. I wasn't going to fuss at her. I was going to try to keep the woman well. Within a year, we did her funeral. What did Jesus say? He said, now stop sinning or this thing's going to come back on you. Some things we do not because the devil does it to us. We refuse to be obedient to what God tells us to do. See? And notice what it says here. Verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is... Now notice this. Verse 17. My father is always at his what? Work to this very day. And I too am working. God believed in work. He passed it on to mankind to believe in work. Jesus, the Son of God, believed in work. Look at John chapter 4, verse 31. Look over to John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food 
Verse 34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His... What? Everybody say work. We worship the God of creation who values work. He values work. God's first man and woman were assigned work to bring fulfillment to themselves and blessings to creation. God's only son, Jesus, embraced the value of work he saw in his Father. And then listen to this. God desires for each of us fulfillment and satisfaction, along with maturity and personal development. These benefits and blessings can only be won and learned through the discipline of work. Now, we think they can be won at the lake. We think they can be won at the ball field. We think they can be won at the golf course. We think they can be won in a new car and in a new home. And all those things are wonderful and they're great. But those things don't bring personal development and maturity to our life. They really don't bring lasting fulfillment. But God desires each of us fulfillment and satisfaction along with maturity and personal development. These benefits and blessings can only be won and learned through the discipline of work. Now shout. Look at Ecclesiastes, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 24. Look what the, the wisest man who ever lived on earth other than Jesus. Notice what this guy says. Solomon. He says, so I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy DQ blizzards, to enjoy food and drink, and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. Here's a man that had beautiful women. He had more money than he could ever spend in his lifetime. He had more horses and more chariots. He had the largest home of anybody in the land. Kings from the other countries would come and seek his wisdom. Here was a man that had all the power, all the glory. He had everything a person could ever want. And notice in the end of time, this is what he says. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized these pleasures are from the hand of God. Hey, listen to this. If you change your view of work, you'll change your world. <laughs> a year ago, a commercial by Apartments.com. Anybody remember that commercial by Apartments.com? It became very popular that says, change your apartment, change the world. Anybody remember that commercial? You know, many of us spend seven to ten hours a day. Most of us spend seven to ten hours a day, five days a week. Some of us six involved in our work. Did you know you spend more time at work, getting to work, returning from work, than any other single event during your 168-hour week? 
going to work, working, and returning from work is the single most time-consuming event in your entire week. Most of you, how many of you would say that you work more than you sleep? Raise your hand. It's easy. It's easy to see why people are ill, angry, and frustrated. If the thing they spend more time doing than any other activity during their week is not fulfilling to them. If I spent seven to ten hours a day, five or six days a week, doing something that I hated, I'd be frustrated and ill too. That's why so much road rage is going on. People are mad all the time. But if you'll change your view of work, you will change your world. Change your view of work, change your world. Look at Colossians 3, 20 and 3 again. Notice what it says. Work willingly at whatever you do. It's just an attitude. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather for people. Number one, your your workplace is a full-time ministry space. Here's the view you got to have. My workplace is my full-time ministry space. Notice the Holy Spirit says that as servants of the Lord, whatever we're doing, wherever we're doing it, we are working for the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 23 again. Colossians 3. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. Well, I'm working for Nissan. Well, you might be being paid by Nissan, but you're really there on assignment from God. I talk to people frequently who feel they have a call to work in full-time ministry. Now, I honor my call as a pastor. But church work, listen to me, church work is not the harvest field. Church work is rearranging the harvest in the barn. In fact, for most churches that, are, that most pastors are working in that are not growing, they are just like deckhands on the Titanic. They are just rearranging the chairs. That's not what God's called us to do. The real harvest, real ministry, takes place in the harvest field. Your job, your place of employment, your company, your cubicle, your office... That's real ministry. That's your workspace is your full-time ministry place. Change your view of your work. You'll change your view of your world. Number two, your workspace is sacred space. When people walk into your cubicle, your classroom, your office... Your zone, your area, they should sense and experience your faith and the presence of God in your life. Your work space is sacred space. Set your stakes. Declare your territory. Your assignment in the natural might be a teacher of English. It might be an installer of trim and chassis. It might be an administrative assistant or an engineer or a doctor. It might be a drywall hanger or computer uh, programmer. 
That might be your assignment in the natural. But heaven has you on an eternal assignment to reveal the love of Christ to everyone who walks into your space. So your workspace is sacred space. And when they walk into your space, they should sense the presence of the Lord. The Bible says of Peter that when they'd walk, just get in his shadow, their bodies got healed. His workspace was his sacred space. And then number three, and finally, I close with this. Decide to work for an expectation beyond Friday. Change your view of work and you'll change your world. Decide to work for an expectation beyond Friday. (laughs) How many have ever heard someone say or say this, if I can just hold on to Friday, I can survive. One more day. Two more days. It's hump day. We're heading to the end. T-G-I-F. Thank God it's Friday. Just hold on and we'll make it to Friday. Counting down the days to Friday. It's drudgery on Tuesday. Wednesday, maybe we can think Friday's coming. Thursday, one more day. And Friday is party time. We just work to Friday. Would you decide to work for an expectation beyond Friday? Let me give you a scripture. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Jesus talking to the diligent man, and he compares the diligent man with the lazy man. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6 says this. The Holy Spirit through Solomon says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. Notice, he he gives us a bunch of things there. You could stay on there forever. One of the things he says, they don't need... A God worker doesn't need a supervisor to tell them to get their job done. You know. As a Christian, you don't need somebody watch standing over you, reminding you everything you're supposed to do. Remember, you're not working for them anyway. You're working from God. But then notice what he says. See, if you can change, I'm working for more than just Friday. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. Now listen to this. Worker ants only live six to eight weeks. Worker ants, the lifespan of a worker ant is only six to eight weeks. And listen to what the ant does. He gathers food in the summer for the winter. He won't even live for the winter. 
he won't even enjoy the fruit of his labor. But he's working for something other than his personal fulfillment and pleasure. He has an expectation that goes beyond Friday. No wonder people are frustrated with their work. If the only reason you're working is to pay that crazy boat payment. You know what boat stands for, don't you? B-O-A-T. Bust out another thousand. I got one. I know. There's two great days, a boat owner, when you buy it and when you sell it. It's the same way with a horse. I got a horse. You know how you can have a small fortune in the horse world? Start out with a large fortune. And you'll end up with a small fortune if you have a horse. Work, work for something other than the pleasure of a Friday afternoon getting off and partying and going for the weekend. Listen to what the ant says. The ant says, I'm only going to live six to eight weeks and I work all summer and I'm going to lay up food. I'm not going to even enjoy it. But I've been called to work. I've been called to a legacy that is beyond me. I'm leaving something for my family. I'm leaving something for my children. I am, I am presenting a model of godliness that lasts longer than I'll ever be around. If you change your view of work, you will change your world. Your workplace is your full-time ministry space. Your workspace is your sacred space and just make a decision to work for an expectation beyond Friday. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.